Hello, Fight fans. Welcome back to episode number 214 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero. And uh, let's see, we're about a week into quarantine, but it feels like it's been a month. I know a lot of us are going stir-crazy. Let's stay positive during this crazy time. There's so much polarization and negativity out there. And, of course, tragedy. I mean... Thousands, actually millions of lives are being affected right now. So uh, let's all stay positive, man. Not a whole lot going on in the boxing world, but we do have a few things to discuss. Uh, Canelo Golovkin 3 appears to be on. Target date is September 12th. Of course, nothing's official right now. We can't make anything official with the COVID-19 pandemic, but I've been telling you guys forever. The third fight's going to happen. A lot of you fanagers out there, particularly those of you who wanted the zone to fail, You kept saying, oh, man, there's no way Canelo Golovkin 3 is going to happen. Well, guess what? It's going to happen probably later this year. So I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. And there's not a whole lot to talk about other than that in the boxing world. So uh, just postponements and uh, an unfortunate death. Roger Mayweather dies at the age of 58. Uh, That was last week. I don't want to spend too much time talking about that. I know that he wasn't a perfect guy. And uh, there were issues with him outside the ring, of course. But he is uh, a big member of the boxing community, obviously. And uh, Floyd Mayweather, that family, has been having a tough time lately. So uh, our thoughts are with the Mayweather family as Roger Roger Mayweather dies at the age of 58. Uh, Man, my throat's scratchy. A lot of uh, pollen in the air here in uh, the southeast. I'm in Atlanta now, and... uh, Everything's starting to bloom, man. So all that pollen's in the air, and I've been out there running. I did a six-mile run Saturday. Oh, it just messed me up. But uh, it's actually raining today, and that's helping out. Anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, that's just, you know, you guys probably don't give a shit, but, you know, there's nothing else to talk about. (laughs) So anyway, uh, I saw a lot of people tweeting about uh, past jobs that they worked so I thought it might be fun to talk a little bit about some of my past jobs, including the stuff I got fired for, because uh, I was an idiot. Without I'm still half an idiot, but I was an idiot when I was younger. And then also, anything goes, man, Q&A. I mean, if you guys want to call in, we're going to open the lines up right away. So I know a lot of you guys are busy. Everyone's working, trying to work when you can, because uh, things are so nuts right now. But if you guys want to get in on the phone lines... Everything is uh, open right now. So uh, in the United States, 213-267-7787. In the UK, 02081-036051. As usual, guys, I remind you to please go on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere. Likes, follows, subscriptions, all that stuff. Ratings, reviews. I need it, okay? I really, really need it. So um, I'm not corporate sponsored at all. I'm totally independent. And doing that and also telling the truth and not playing any side of this thing, basically pissing everybody off all the time, that means I'm going to remain an independent operator. So I depend on you guys to get the word out there. I talked about Roger Mayweather passing. Uh, Dubois versus Joyce, that's been postponed probably till July 11th. That's still at the O2. Lomacheco Lopez postponed probably till the fall. And, of course, Fury Wilder. That's not happening in July. It was never happening in July. That's actually going to happen probably in October. All right? That's all I can really say. Guys, uh, so last week, particularly uh, over the weekend, I was chatting with some people, whether over the phone and then when it became difficult to speak because of all the pollen in the air, just over text, (laughs) over email. I talked with several promoters uh, a couple managers, a couple fighters, a couple trainers, even even a network individual, uh, just trying to get information about what's going on. So NSAC, the Nevada Commission, is having a meeting, I believe I believe it's Wednesday, uh, but it's this week. I can't remember exactly what day. I think it's Wednesday, though. And we'll see what they decide. Of course, right now, they are uh, on hold, Nevada is, and pretty much the whole boxing world is, particularly in the United States. I'm expecting Nevada's I don't know what to call it. It's not a suspension, but like shutdown. Let's call it a shutdown. I'm expecting that Nevada shutdown to continue. And what I'm hearing from people in the know, and you guys should should know this, okay? Everyone I've talked to, they've been on the phone nonstop. 
promoters, managers, they're all talking to the commission people, to any government officials they know. Because remember, the commissions are a function of the state government. So these guys are talking to everybody they can. They're trying to get inside scoop. I know that several commissions really want to get going right now, particularly California. This is killing California. Andy Foster, who runs that commission, he's a former fighter himself. If it were up to him, he'd be fighting. They'd be doing fights right now. But he's beholden to Sacramento, the capital, and what they decide there. And the guy running that state is a moron. I don't care what side of the street you're on politically. No one likes the guy. But he's doing the right thing right now, the guy running the state, by shutting everything down. So if it were up to Andy Foster, there'd be fights going April 1st. But he can't do that. So um, several commissions want to get going they're a part of the government. They have to listen to what their state of local officials are telling them to do. Uh, but what I'm hearing is this, okay? And of course, none of this is set in stone. We still don't know what the hell is going to happen. It seems things are changing by the day. But the latest and greatest I know, the inside scoop I can give you, a lot of what I discussed with some folks this week, last week, last weekend, <clears throat> was off the record. But here's what I can tell you guys on the record. The plans right now are to bring back smaller club-level shows over the summer, okay? So some of the recent shows that were canceled, um, ESPN had a show with Shakur Stevenson. Uh, PBC had a show in, uh, uh, what is it, Oxon Hill, Maryland. All that stuff was canceled, right? Those That level show here in the United States, that's going to come back, at least right now, the tentative plan, that's going to come back in the summer, probably July. Okay, June, July, August, somewhere in there. No big fights, no pay-per-view fights, not coming over the summer. It's going to be those smaller club-level shows because if the pandemic comes back, if the the virus has a a comeback or whatever, those are easier shows to, to cancel and or move to a studio. You can move that stuff to a controlled space and still do the fight or if you have to, you can cancel it all together. That doesn't break the bank. But big fights. I'm talking Lomachenko Lopez. I'm talking Wilder Fury 3. I'm talking the comeback of Errol Spence. Uh, well, Leo Santa Cruz and Gervonta Davis. Those sorts of fights not happening in the summer. The earliest, and I mean the earliest, you guys are going to get those level of fights probably are in September. And unfortunately, because of the way <clears throat> the way this is all stacking up, September, October, November, December, you're going to get several pay-per-views, okay? The whole pay-per-view lineup, which would have been stretched out over the whole year, that's going to be pushed back to the very end of the year. These promoters want to have two or three months to promote those sort of matchups, so you're going to have to push that back toward the, you know, the really the fourth quarter, maybe the very end of the third quarter before you start seeing those sorts of matchups, at least here in the United States. Now, if shit really hits the fan, <coughs> man, I'm losing my voice. If shit really hits the fan, then it's always possible that there's a different contingency plan and they take some of these fights overseas or they take them to studios. But what they'd like, they would like to do these fights where they can actually have a crowd. You know, you think of Vegas, you think of, let's say, Canelo Golovkin. They want to do that Mexican Independence Day weekend. They want that where they can sell tickets. You know, they depend not just on the, well, that's going to be on the zone. So they need the zone subscriptions, but they also need ticket sales, right? That's a huge, huge thing. And of course, all the hospitality service that goes in with that, with the Vegas fights. You know, people buy alcohol, people buy food, people get hotels, all that is a part of it. So they want to be able to have crowds at these fights. They don't just want to be able to show everyone on TV. So that's what's going on right now, guys. Uh, So we'll see, man. You know, I asked you guys on Twitter to drop some questions, and a couple of you did. So let me get to a couple of these questions real quick. Uh, From Jack Alter, and of course... Jack, it's going to be a question about Golovkin because that's his favorite fighter. So Jack asks, who would have won Carl Frotch versus Triple G a few years ago if it happened? I think G might have stopped the mighty Carl Frotch. Okay, so Jack, I don't think that 
Golovkin would have stopped Carl Frosch. There's nothing I've seen from Golovkin punching up at much bigger men. Uh, remember, Carl Frotch was a, a natural, legit 168. Taller, longer than Golovkin. Always showed a good chin. Never was hurt by anyone. Uh, I think that Golovkin would win a decision. I think he'd decision him. And it'd be fairly, fairly decisive. I think it'd be, you know, seven rounds to five, eight rounds to four, somewhere in there. Golovkin just, you know, particularly in his prime. Um, uh, Michael Mindiola on the chat says, Frotch did get hurt and dropped by George Groves. Good shout, Mindiola. Good shout, Paisan. Yeah, I forgot about that. But again, George Groves, naturally bigger guy than Golovkin. I don't know. It's possible Golovkin could hurt him to the body or something. But I just, I would have, my money would have been on Golovkin by decision. And pretty decisive. Like I said, I'll probably go eight rounds of four. 116, 112. It's possible maybe he drops him at one point. The way he dropped Derevyanchenko. The way he dropped Jacobs. So maybe it's a 116, 111. But I would definitely favor a prime Golovkin to pretty clearly, competitive fight, but clearly beat uh, Mr. Carl the Cobra Frotch. And then Clint Divald asked, uh, prime Rocky Marciano versus Michael Spinks over 15 rounds? Who you got? Wow, that is a tough one, man, because let me tell you, obviously what we know about Spinks, you know, he started at 68, I think, uh, fought for a while. I mean, the bulk of his work was at 175, light heavyweight, and then he moves up in weight. So first of all, let's decide what weight is this going to be contested at. For Marciano, I mean, he weighed, you know, 185, whatever, in his fights, but those were same-day weigh-ins, right? And he was uh, not at all trying to cut weight. I mean, he was, they list him at 5'10", but he was really 5'9". I think in a modern era, Marciano would be a super middleweight. Seriously, a lot of people say, oh, I'd be a light heavyweight. That's where he'd settle. He'd settle at cruiserweight eventually. But he, as a prospect, I think he would have been a, a super middleweight. So if we're talking 168, 175, over 15 rounds, it's a competitive fight because uh, Marciano was just so tough. But dude, I'm I'm looking up uh, Spinks right here, a legit six foot two, and Marciano is probably five foot nine. That height difference, the speed difference, I would have to favor Spinks by decision. Always a possibility that Marciano could clip him, could get underneath, and you know do one of those looping hooks, right? That he was so famous for. He kind of get his head down and just bum rush you, get his head in your chest, and and hook up at you. Uh, always possible that he could catch him with something like that. But I would have to favor Spinks just because of the size difference. And really, you're talking fighters of two different eras, man. I mean, Marciano was an athlete from the 40s, 50s. Spinks is a guy in the 70s, 80s. Just two different eras. You really can't compare guys of different eras like that. I never like to do that. So there was a couple questions there on Twitter. Also, I thought it'd be fun... Um, I see some of you guys in the chat uh, that I'm coughing and stuff. I do not have the COVID, okay? You don't have to worry. I do not have the COVID. I have pollen. Uh, I'm here in the south now, man, here in Atlanta. And it got up in the 70s this whole last week. So everything started to bloom. And those of you who've been, you know, uh, those of you who follow me, you know that I've been training for a marathon. So I've been out doing these long runs, six, seven, eight-mile runs, Breathing in all this damn pollen, it, ugh, it makes you feel like you're sick. But yeah, I took my temperature and everything, and I'm totally, everything's totally normal. My throat just sounds funny because I'm breathing the pollen. I do not have the COVID. <laughs> you guys can relax. Uh, super chat from D3440. He asked, thank you so much, D, by the way. He asked, uh, who can you see right now KOing or stopping Triple G? That's a good question, bro. Look, I remember like four or five years ago during Triple G's prime when I was there to see that run there in Los Angeles to see all that. I remember people asking me, will this guy ever lose? Is he ever going to lose? And I'm like, yeah, he's going to lose. He's going to lose fights. And guess what? At some point, he's going to get stopped. And people thought I was crazy for saying that. But if you just look at his style, and it really depends on who he fights. If he sticks to... The deal he has with the zone right now, he's got four more fights, okay? And he's supposed to fight his mandatory next. That should be a pretty easy fight for him. But if he goes up against Canelo again, 
I, I, I really think that fight's going the distance. I think Canelo and Golovkin probably go the distance 99 times out of 100 when they fight. But it's always possible, particularly north of 160 pounds, that somebody catches Golovkin just right. Look, I thought Derevyanchenko hurt him to the body in, their, in that last fight. Now, he wasn't healthy. He was sick. I think he had the flu, right? Um, so he wasn't 100%. But Derevyanchenko hurt him to the body, and you can see it. Now, Golovkin's a tough mofo, and he fought through it and, and closed the show. And I thought he clearly won that fight. It was close, but he clearly won. But at some point, look, if that third fight with Canelo is at 164, 168, and, and that hasn't been decided yet, by the way, uh, Canelo has a chance. It's just Canelo's not a very hard hitter. But some of these natural 168 fighters, some of these guys that are natural 168, uh, they definitely would have a chance. I mean, would he ever fight a guy like D- David Benavidez? I doubt it. I don't know what you know why he would fight that, him. But if something like that did happen, Benavidez, just because of his natural size, dude, he, he'd have a chance. I mean, there are guys like that who would have a chance. At 160, though, at 160... I do believe that Golovkin will stay on his feet and not be stopped. But north of 160, all bets are off, dude. Especially at this age and this stage of his career. And that's the way that I've seen it uh, for a while. All right. Try to get you guys on the chat here. If for whatever reason. There it is. Okay, I'm waiting for the uh, chat to pull up here. Oh, we have a super chat pledge from Pietro. Thank you so much, my man. Appreciate it. He asked, Prime Triple G versus Prime Andre Ward. Oh, man. Not this one again. Um, A lot of people have very strong opinions about this one. So if you talk to certain people out there, they will tell you that Golovkin ducked Andre Ward, which is absolute bullshit. There was never a deal uh, between the two of them. But uh, a big question with this one is, which weight? Okay, If it's at 168, during Andre Ward's prime, man, that's a tough fight. Oh, my God, that's a tough fight. At 168, Golovkin would, obviously, he'd be disadvantaged in terms of size, right? Uh, Andre Ward would have the size advantage, the natural strength advantage. And if that fight's taking place in Vegas, you saw the way Kovalev got butt-fucked, right? You saw the way Golovkin got butt-fucked against Canelo, So what do you think would happen if it was Golovkin versus Andre Ward? Of course, Ward would have the ref helping him out. So all the politics, you know, some of the nasty stuff in the ring, that would all favor Ward. So I would have to go with Ward by close, controversial decision. However, it would be very, very possible that Golovkin could hurt Ward, particularly to the body. That up jab, because he'd be jabbing up at Ward, would really give him problems. And the old school Golovkin, the prime version guy, uh, really, really worked well getting under guys' punches. And he did. He even did it to Canelo several times in their first fight, particularly guys that were moving back and trying to box slick. It just, Golovkin would just roll downhill on these dudes. And I think he'd have a very, very good chance of hurting Ward to the body or shooting something over the top. You know, maybe fainting down to the chest, jabbing to the chest, chest shooting over the top, and hurting Ward, and maybe dropping him and um, changing the fight, changing the fight. But dude, in Vegas, those two fighting in Vegas, if I were a betting man, it would be Andre Ward by close, controversial decision. That's what I would decide. Now, if they somehow got Ward to melt down under 168, it was at a catch weight of, let's say, 64, something like that. That changes it for me. I go with Golovkin. So <clears throat> that's that. I mean, look, we still haven't seen Triple G fight at 68. We haven't seen it. So, and he's well past his prime. So we just don't know. Pietro with another super chat. I appreciate it, Pietro. He asked Calzaghi versus Ward. You know, unpopular opinion, and I know people are going to disagree with me. I'm going to go with Joe Calzaghi. Look. It, it would be close. It would be very, very close. Uh, Stu, Stu, K, Stu UK Boxing, I see in the chat asking, is this a call-in show? Yes, call in. There's the number behind you if you want to get out and call in. Um, but 
Joe Calzaghe, more athletic than Andre Ward, faster. And I do think he had every bit the mean streak that Andre had him, kind of that, that nasty mean streak. When you drop Joe Calzaghe, he got pissed. When you hurt him, he got pissed. So judging would be a huge factor. Officiating would be a huge factor. But all things considered, man, I just think Joe's work rate would beat out Andre Ward in a close, controversial decision. And that one might go, hey, is it in Vegas? Is it in New York? Or is it in the UK? That might change everything. But I'm telling you, those guys would it'd be a really close competitive fight. But is there anybody that Ward fought that, that was anything like Joe Calzaghe in terms of the work rate, the speed, the athleticism? Uh, Calzaghe is so underrated here in the United States, and I don't understand why. I really, really don't. You can make an argument, well, who did Calzaghe fight that was like Andre Ward? Well, I'll give you a name. How about Bernard Hopkins? Not exactly the same, okay? But there are similarities between Andre Ward and Bernard Hopkins. Now, keep in mind, Hopkins was past his best. Yes, I get it. Hopkins dropped Calzaghe. I get it. That was Calzaghe's first fight at 175 and his first fight outside the U.K., he didn't take no two tune-up fights before going to the championship like Andre Ward did against Sergey Kovalev. Calzaghe went right into the lion's den, and he, he beat Hopkins, and that win for him is aging better and better and better. And I still think that the referee in that fight, I believe it was Joe Cortez, kind of bailed Hopkins out a little bit late in that fight. So, yeah, man, I'm going to go with Calzaghe over Ward, and I know that's going to be an uh, unpopular opinion. But, hey, it is what it is. Let's see. Oh, Gail Falkenthal with a mythical matchup. So let's throw some ladies in the mix. Ann Wolf versus Clarissa Shields. How does it go down? Ann Wolf destroys Clarissa Shields. Clarissa Shields wins a round or two early boxing. And then late, late, uh, I think Wolf catches up to her, hurts her, and I think stops her. Yeah, I'm saying it. Ann Wolf. Messes up. Messes up, Clarissa Shields. Yep, I'm putting it out there. Oh, we got a call here. Let's go to 447. You're on TNC. Go. Hey, Mike Lawrence here. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Calling from London again. A um, couple things. I managed to get around to listening to your most recent uh, podcast with the guys and, and your rant on the heavyweight division and, and you know, Tyson Fury, Gate, etc. Um, I had a couple of thoughts. Oh, quickly on Carl Frutch before I forget. He also got dropped by Jermaine Taylor early in their fight. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good so shout, I think man. he's got great recovery powers, but his, you know, his defense gets him checked at times. So there is always that possibility. But, yeah, quickly on, uh, on the heavyweight division, I think everyone needs to pump the brakes a little bit on calling Tyson Fury the bona fide best in the division because he hasn't proven it in the ring yet and I think just allowing him to get away with that those two wins or maybe you know an AJ fight I think he has to do more he has to clean out the division there's Usyk there's there's even uh, Dillian White there's there's a whole bunch of other heavyweights that work through in order to be like yeah that's definitely the man it took uh, Vladimir Klitschko many years it took Lennox Lewis many years and I, I think we're just going at, jumping the gun and assuming he'd beat everybody on the basis of two really good nights no I, I completely agree with you and just going with the last two or three years okay just you know I, I just I look at what took place before 2017 a little differently but his two fights with Deontay Wilder because of what happened with Anthony Joshua and everything, I have no issue calling Tyson Fury the legitimate heavyweight champion of the world right now. I have no issue calling him the top guy. But I completely agree with you that he hasn't cleaned out the division yet. He hasn't um, done what... Oh, Tiffany just brought me some water. Thank you, Tiffany. Love you. He hasn't, um, he hasn't, he hasn't accomplished anything close to what Vladimir Klitschko did, uh, Lennox Lewis, guys like that who owned the division. And when I see knowledgeable, well, I'm not even going to say knowledgeable, when I see well-paid boxing writers for certain platforms out there 
rating Tyson Fury as a top 10 pound-for-pound guy right now, that is idiotic to me. That is just absolutely idiotic. I think clearly Fury is the top heavyweight, but you don't rate a heavyweight on a pound-for-pound list until he has dominated for years and proven himself to be just light years above the rest of the opposition in the heavyweight division, and Fury hasn't done that. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I would, I, I make a distinction. I think Fury would be all of those guys, but I don't think he's done it yet. So I don't even, I don't even say I think he's the number, one, clearly the number one guy because you have to prove that in the ring. And the eye test might say one thing, but when on fight night, he could, I don't know, he could get caught by a Dillian White, for example, and then suddenly we're like, oh, we, you know, we didn't, we knew all along he wasn't really that great, and he's sloppy, and all the criticisms come because all the praise comes too quick. And in a way, it encourages, it encourages fighters just to wait for that big fight rather than cleaning out the division. Um, but on a similar point, I just wanted to make quickly, Kawanaki had me thinking, if that's how you say his name, um, he had me thinking that we should probably be rating fighters on performances a little higher and less on, on wins. So uh, the other person I... I that came to mind was Derek Chisora. There's also Carlos Takam, who have proven in losses that they've got quality with, despite, you know, ending up being on the wrong side of the... the, the or even worse, getting knocked out. Um, and I feel like they've earned, like, you know, being competitive with a tough guy, a top guy is probably a better symbol of where you should be ranked in the division than knocking out people who are ranked number 20, number 25. I completely agree. I, I completely agree. And uh, I, look, I like Carlos Takam. I think he's a good quality heavyweight perennial contender type. The kind of guy that you saw in the 80s, the 90s, that w- where you had a bunch of those guys, right? Now there's only a handful of them. Like you mentioned, it's, yeah. it's Takam, it's Derek Chisora. On any given night, those guys could upset the world. Seriously, they really could. The one difference with Takam, he's been busted up and worn down a little bit. Five years ago, three, four years ago, yeah. he was, to me, like right there in the top ten. But now, you know, he's a little chinny. It, you know, the, everything's broken down, the punch resistance, and that's just what happens. But um, anytime those guys fight, I'm watching. And for the prospects coming up now, those are the guys they have to fight to get to the next level. Exactly, yeah, agree. But yeah, that's all for me, Mike. Have a great show again, of course. Thanks for taking the call. All right. Thanks a lot, man. That's yeah. all. All right. Let's get to a couple more calls here. Uh, 317. 317. You're on the show. Go. Do you know who this is? Mm. It's your boy, Jack. Jack Alter. Oh, is it Jack? <laughs> What's yeah, up, Jack? I was, just, I was just wondering to see if you remembered like who, what number this was. All right, so no, dude, uh, I, there's so many numbers here, and I, it's hard to tell the UK from the USA numbers because it just comes in. There's no dashes on my software; it's just numbers. So it's really, yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah, uh, so I just got back from uh, doing a little workout, so uh, I kind of missed a little bit of the podcast. I wanted to say some stuff about Canelo Triple G two. You didn't. Uh, I wouldn't be like. You didn't already talk about it, did you? About you so said I'm, you I'm, said Canelo Triple G two. Did you mean three? Oh, did I say two? I meant three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, man. I talked about it a little bit, but go ahead. All right, so man, I've been seeing so many people saying like Triple G's done, Triple G's done, and I'm telling you, man, Derry Vinchenko and Canelo, their their style. People were saying, oh, we lost to Derry Vinchenko. Derry Vinchenko has a way higher punch output than. Uh, Canelo, and not only to mention, I don't care what anyone says, like, you, you know, you're in the business, you can talk to people, you should know that Golovkin was sick in the Derry Vachenko fight. Yeah, he, like, he was Did sick. you know that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was, and you saw Golovkin at this age still, like, winning a fight at this pace with an elite fighter like Derry Vachenko, and Triple G, he was hit with a perfect plus shot right in the liver by Derry Vachenko, and he didn't even go down. So, I don't, well, people were saying Canelo were going to stop him. That's he was hurt. Was he was he's hurt, not, but he didn't go down. But he was hurt. No. No, no, I know. And that was, like, perfectly flush in the ribs. It was, like, perfectly. And it was uh, – Canelo never landed a shot that flush in both fights combined. 
like anything. Now, Canelo that, doesn't so. hit as hard as Derevyanchenko. Um, yeah, but exactly. Derevyanchenko isn't as fleet of well, I'm not going to say fleet of foot, but uh, his upper body movement isn't as good. His hand speed isn't as good. Uh, but here's the thing: a lot of people, Jack, they keep talking about uh, that fight, that Derevyanchenko fight. Golovkin's been in training for months now. Derevyanchenko ain't. That dude will never be the same after that fight. Never. He got. He's he's a badass. Derevyanchenko's a tough, tough guy. And he weathered that storm, but he will never be the same after that fight. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to, Mm -hmm. I was about to say he, how tough of a guy he was. I mean, you saw his face. It's like, Man, that was brutal. His face was so beat up. But I, I think if Derevchenko before, you know, he fought Triple G, I think Derevchenko would give Canelo a hell of a fight because he put so much pressure on Canelo. But uh, enough of that. I want to get to the, like, Canelo-Triple G thing. Uh, I don't see any way Canelo's going to stop him, like people are saying. And I see another controversial decision. That's just what I see. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they're going to go back to Vegas, of course, T-Mobile, the whole thing. Um, if you just... The, the conventional wisdom is that it's it's two years since their last fight. Golovkin's two years older. Canelo is in his physical prime. If I were betting, if somebody asked me, hey, man, I'm going to bet my life savings, what do you think? My suggestion would be Canelo by decision. Uh, how does Golovkin yeah. change that? I don't know. But you never know, dude. In boxing, you never know. And there's a chance that Golovkin could catch him with something, hurt him. It changes the the pace of the fight. Look, I saw in that second fight, Golovkin make some adjustments in the later rounds and close the show pretty strong. And he eked it out on my card because of what he did in those championship rounds. And, you know, clearly the difference that Canelo, Canelo had a different game plan in that fight, right? And it took Golovkin a few rounds to kind of figure out what he was doing. So going into this third fight now, I think that he'll have a different game plan himself. So, look, it's still one of the best fights that could be made in boxing, and I'm looking forward to it, man. Regardless, everyone now is acting like, oh, I thought Canelo won the first fight. Fuck you. 95% of people (laughs) felt that Golovkin won. Now everyone's having this revisionist history, this 2020 hindsight, because it suits their fucking narrative. It's bullshit. Everyone knows who won the first fight. This third one is a rubber match. It's a rubber match, and that's what you need when you have two guys who have fought and have two great fights, and, you know, opinion is split as to who won the second fight, but g- give us the third one, man. It's going to be great. Yeah. Gail Falkenthal said, uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, take over your show but by, like, reading the comments, but she said, uh, hey, not saying it will happen, but we all thought Roman Gonzalez was done, and he looked like the old Chocolatito in his last fight. Gail knows her shit, man. Gail knows her shit. Yeah. All right. One more. One more question. What do you think about? Uh, okay. So this dude was saying how Carl Frotch w- would beat Golovkin in his prime, and he said he had a better jab. Carl Frotch had a better jab than Golovkin. That's ridiculous. <laughs> who would have wanted to? Yeah, yeah I, t- I, I addressed your question at the top of the show, man. I would have picked Golovkin by decision. I don't know if Golovkin stops Groves. Uh, just because he's punching up at him. And Groves, yes, he was dropped a couple times, but he's pretty tough, never stopped. I'm going to go with uh, Golovkin by decision in that fight. And maybe he drops him once, but like a 116-111 kind of thing. Um, I just think, yeah, Golovkin in his prime would be way too much for Frotch. I like Carl Frotch because he fought everybody. He traveled. He went on the road. He did all the things Andre Ward never did. But... I never saw him as a pound-for-pound pound level guy. I just didn't. He just wasn't that guy. Yeah. All right, man. You have a you have a great day. Have a great rest of your podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you later, man. All right, Jack. Have a good one, man. All right. Yeah, you too. All right, we got one more call to jump to real quick here. 353, you're on the neutral corner. Go. 353. Yo, how's it going, Mike? What's up? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. This is Mark from Ireland. If you haven't, guys, hit the like button, support the show. I like it. Mark's speaking yeah, the yeah. truth. Hit the like button. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway. So, um, I got I got a small question. I got a small. It, it, 
and Triple G and Triple G and Canelo, right? I know like it's gonna happen. I know like people we know it's gonna happen. I just wanna know. Do you actually give a crap about the fight? <laughs> Outside of a fight, do you really care about the outcome? I care about the fight, Mark. Uh, first of all, man, we got we got a name. Uh, we got to think of a name for your calls. Like we, you have to get your own segment because you always have these great calls. We got to think of on the mark. How about that? On the mark with Mark from Ireland. Okay. Um, look, I j- just you know was talking to Jack, the last caller, about this fight. I think these guys have styles that complement each other so well. It's going to be another. Great fight. I really do. I think Golovkin is going to put everything into one last performance against Canelo. He might look old overnight, and maybe Canelo stops him. It could happen. But my money is on another good competitive fight that goes the distance, and the Vegas judges give Canelo the benefit of the doubt in any close round. That's what my money is on. Okay. I don't like the change in Triple G, by the way. Just the style. I don't like it. He's changed a bit. I don't like it. He's not stepping in, doubling his job the way he used to. Agreed. Uh, since he went with Jonathan Banks. And I do not like that. You need to keep Canelo backwards. Agreed. Um, so if 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 he's with Jonathan Banks, I just don't see it. Like, I, I've always liked Triple G, but I, and I don't like Gable Sanchez, but he's the type of guy who works for him. Um, I'm not even going to give a prediction on the fight because I think it's kind of painfully obvious. Golovkin won like nine rounds in the first fight and got robbed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Um, second fight, take for what you will. I had a split fight myself. Like my card, I like scored it three times, and I had Canelo, uh, Golovkin to draw once. Had Golovkin win once, and then I had Canelo win once in the in the rematch. But um, yeah, the only reason I want to know is if is this we care? It's just because like. What does it do in terms of legacy? Like, if Triple G doesn't win, it doesn't do anything. It literally does nothing for Canelo. Because a lot of people who will want to detract from Canelo, they're just going to say he beat a faded Triple G who he had already beaten and it didn't matter anyway. But you know how the detraction is going to work. And then the other people are going to be like, well, oh, Canelo's the greatest of all time. He beat Golov. It's, it means nothing to legacy. That's, I mean, that's boxing I Twitter, man. I mean, look, Canelo could fight Anthony Joshua, and there's people out there who'd be like, oh, I bet he was on steroids. You know, someone's going to have something to say. Then again, he could fight me or you, and some people would be like, oh, man, look at that. He's great. You, you got to try to ignore all that noise. I, the thing, you talked about legacy. For Golovkin, I can tell you, okay, because I know that camp pretty well. I can't say a whole lot on the record, but you already know this. You know the obvious. He feels he got fucked by the system in more than one way during this entire fiasco with Canelo. Mm -hmm. And he's going to get his guarantee regardless of who the hell he fights. He could fight anybody. He's going to get his guarantee. He's a partner now with the zone. That's part of the reason why he fought Derevyanchenko sick. He felt pressured to do that fight because he's not just a fighter for them. He has a promotional partnership with them. So he has plans to work with the zone years after he's retired, right? He really, really wants another crack at Canelo. He really wants that fight again. He's wanted it the whole time. Canelo and his people are like, eh, fuck it, take it or leave it. That's the way they look at it. So in terms of legacy, yeah, for for Golovkin, it means plenty. For Canelo, he's already kind of halfway moved on in his mind. And who knows, dude, maybe that will give some kind of psychological edge to Golovkin. Maybe Canelo is half checked out on it. Who knows? I don't think so, but who knows? But in terms of legacy, dude, there's about, I don't know, between the two of them, $50 million legacy. I, I mean... It's just like, you know, with Fury and That's Wilder no fighting legacy. again. That ain't no legacy. I'm not going to $50 million equals legacy. That, that I hear, hey, I hear you. I, I agree with you. But you know how the fanagers think. Mm. Yeah. Did you say fanagers? Fanagers, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Oh, you never heard fanager? That's a great term, man. That's all Twitter is now is the fucking fanagers. Everybody has an opinion. It's just like, you know, everyone on Facebook right now is suddenly an expert with science and, and, you know, the COVID virus. My Facebook feed 
is full of people, you know, who don't know what the hell they're talking about, preaching to me about what I should do right now because of this viral outbreak. It's the same thing on boxing Twitter. Everyone's an expert. So we don't call them fans. We call them fanagers because they know better than all of us. Mm. All right, fair enough. And I want to ask this one question before I head off. Uh, there's a there's a good prospect over on the zone, uh, one of the Uzbekistani lads. And it's not Madrimov this time. It's uh, Bektamir Melikuzia, Back the bully. pounder, the Beck bully. Yeah, yeah. Um, honest question: uh, How dangerous do you think he is to that 168 division? Because watch, I've watched a lot of tape of him on the amateurs, and I've watched a lot. I watched him against Vaughn Alexander. He's scary. He's fast. He's a body puncher. He moves really well. I just want your take on how dangerous he could be over the next year and a half. His balance, dude. Oh, uh, Yeah, he's ready to contend for in a title and fight anyone in that division not named Canelo next year. Okay, Now, I got a little screwed up because of everything going on right now, but that dude is ready. I'm serious to fight anybody in that. I think, obviously, somebody like Canelo would be too much. But he's ready to fight anybody this time next year, maybe a year and a half, maybe the end of next year. He's ready to fight any of them. And I, I'm telling you, that dude's going to be a monster. He'll settle in at 175, um, you know, a few years from now, and he's going to be a champion at both 68 and 75. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I actually personally think he'd whoop up on Billy Joe Saunders right now. Well, yeah, it is what it is. I think it, Saunders would win rounds. Him. Saunders would ra- would win rounds. Maybe win the first half of the fight, but Beck could chop him down late. Maybe, maybe you'd have to wait and see if it were to happen. Anyway, thanks for taking the call, Mike. Enjoy the rest of your show. Shout out to everyone in the chat, and once again, hit the like button. I'm All right, Mark. Peace. Call back, man. Call back every week. Mark's call is always awesome. On the mark. All right, uh, one more call here. You guys keep on calling in. Uh, 432, you're on TNC. Go. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. What's up? Uh, I had a quick question because uh, I got kind of joined the show late. You might have not touched on this. The All the fights getting canceled. Uh, the one in particular that I and many people are interested in is the Loma Lopez card. Um, being that it's being postponed, do you think that benefits Lopez more or Loma more and why? That's a great question, man. Um, man, that's a really good question. Ah, man, that's a tough, cause look, usually with an older fighter like Lomachenko and a guy who relies on reflexes and rhythm, you want him to kind of stay busy. Um, and being in rhythm is really, really important. Um, wow. So, but the difference with this one is, man, I mean, Lopez has had inconsistent training camps, but now I think he's totally dialed in and focused here. Right. But Lomachenko is not one of those guys that is going to get lazy between fights or let this, you know, everything shutting down right now, this whole pandemic thing, slow down his training. I guarantee you that dude is working right now as if the fight was May 30th. So considering, you know, you know what, dude, I want to say it benefits Lomachenko because Lopez is busting at the seams at 135, and now he's going to have to wait another six months to get that fight. So, yeah, dude, I'm going to say it benefits Loma. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking because of the weight issues with uh, Tiafimo. He's He's been frustrated lately. You can a couple of the news outlets have been reporting he's growing very impatient and um he might come in fight night compromised because of the weight and you never know loma might get old overnight so it makes it more intriguing in my opinion yeah you know i tweeted about this like a week or so ago maybe it was last week it just with the shutdown everything feels like it's been a month already but i was tweeting uh something i'm paraphrasing but with all these postponements and everyone's training camp and rhythm getting all messed up, we're going to get some upsets over the second half of this year. There's going to be some Ruiz-Joshua-type shit going down at the second half of this year because everyone's out of rhythm, and you got to be active in this sport, man. It depends on your style, obviously, but those types of fighters that 
are relying on reflexes and rhythm and everything, it's going to hurt them. So I, I really think we're going to get a couple of big upsets later this year because of this stuff. That and maybe um, some fighters might uh, not be able to make weight with all the time off. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that that was my question, Mike. Thank you for taking it. I uh, love the show. All right. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye. I thought it might be fun to uh, show you guys what I'm reading right now. Um, you know, one of my – I'm doing the 75 hard program. You guys look up the hashtag 75 hard. It's 75 straight days, two workouts a day. You read 10 pages of a book every day. Uh, it's by Andy Frisella, who is an entrepreneur, owns several companies, but his biggest company is First Form, which they do like um, nutrition and stuff like that. But as part of that program, and I'm on day 57 today, by the way, uh, I'm reading Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. I highly recommend this book. It's very wordy. And this dude is hes a smart guy. He uses a lot of really big words. I'm having to consult my dictionary just to get through most of the chapters. Uh, but good stuff in there. Really, really good stuff in there. And then after that, what I have lined up is uh, I want to give a shout out to Michael Johnston. He uh, just wrote a book, a boxing-based book called Fight, Kid. It's Fight, comma, Kid, exclamation point. Fight, Kid. And um, he wanted me to check it out. So he was kind enough to send me a copy. And I'm going to check out this book next, and I'll give it a review right here on the show. But just wanted to give you a shout out, dude. I want to check out this book and, um, guys, if you ever do anything artistic like that and you want me to check out what you're doing, I know Pietro on the chat here, he sent me one of his shirts. He makes uh, awesome, awesome boxing t-shirts. Guys, if you want me to plug your stuff, send it, send it to me. I'll check it out. If it's good, if it's legit, I'll give you a great plug here on my show and on my Twitter, all my social. So yeah, I am a whore. Go ahead and send me your stuff and I'll check it out. Seriously. Because, um, especially right now during the quarantine, we need stuff to read. We need stuff to look at. But I should say this. You guys know uh, that I have Italian heritage in my family. My fiance has Chinese heritage. Right now with everything going on with the coronavirus stuff, and I won't go down this rabbit hole for too long. But obviously, of all the countries affected, China and Italy are the two most affected. You could argue Italy is probably pound for pound the worst off. So, you know, we have extended family back in those countries, those parts of the world and everything. And um, it's tough. It's tough to talk to friends and family and hear about some of the things going on over there. And I caught myself earlier today, you know, I had to go work out in my garage and, I, you know, it's cold and rainy outside. I'm like, God damn it, I just want to go to the gym. I want to go to the damn gym. And I was pissed off and feeling you know, sorry for myself for a minute. And I thought, you know, first world problem bullshit, Mike. Your ancestors back in Italy and your fiance's ancestors back in China are really going through some difficult times. And when people think of China, they think Shanghai, Beijing, you know, Guangzhou, cities like that glamorous, you know, big cities. When they think of Italy, they think of, you know, um, you know, all the glamorous fashion and all that stuff. The reality is, outside of those regions, Italy's a third world country. China's a third world country. Um, why do you think so many Chinese people and so many Italians came here? You know, my dad would always say, Italy is Mexico with better food. <laughs> when you go to South Italy... It's Mexico and better food, just in terms of the government corruption, uh, the third world country status. It's true. So I just had to kind of slap myself in the ass, you know, just remind myself, you know, it's not that fucking bad. We have to stay at home. Yeah, but it could be a hell of a lot worse. So try to um, just keep, you know, look, I don't want to get preachy, but just... I, I had to get preachy with myself today, and I thought I would just share that with you guys. You know, just just try to remember that, man, in other parts of the world, um, there's a lot of people going through some serious shit. And for me and my fiance, it, it hits close to our heart because it's affecting our ancestors. You know, it's not just affecting our people here, but it's affecting our people 
back there. So anyway, I just wanted to get that out, man. Um, okay, past jobs I've worked, and I can't talk too much about, I don't even know if you guys want to hear about this shit, it might bore you to death, but my first job, my first official job, let me just say, when I was a teenager, even before I was a teenager, I did a lot of scamming. I was a little scamming shithead, seriously. I had all these scams going. So I'm going to talk about one of them. I, some of them I can't talk about because I could probably still get in trouble. But one of them is me and my boys, the Arnone brothers. My best friends growing up were the Arnone brothers. And my mom, who worked at an Italian restaurant called Vinny's, which just so happened to be owned and run by the mafia boss of East Detroit. I'm not going to talk about what his name is. It wasn't the boss. He was, he was a, a captain. Him and his wife owned this restaurant. My mom worked there. One of the other servers there was my mom's best friend. And she had four boys. And those boys were my best friend. Well, you know, the oldest one. And then all his brothers would tag along. So me and the Arnone boys, we would go up to, uh, up in Detroit, we have Meyer, which is kind of like, I don't know, like a Walmart kind of thing. Meyer is the name of it. And um, we would steal shit. We would just run little hustles where we'd steal a big thing. Back in the day, right now, a lot of you younger guys don't, you won't know about this, man. But back in the day, like late 80s, early 90s, baseball cards and shit was huge. Sports cards was huge. It was this big thing and everyone was hustling. And believe me, LCN, La Cosa Nostra, was in on this because it was a big moneymaker. It sounds funny, but I'm, I'm telling you the truth. We would steal a ton of cards, cases of these cards, and we would go to these trade shows. There was this joint called Gibraltar Trade Center, and you had to be 18 to get a, it was a flea market. And I'm telling you, the thing was mobbed up like a motherfucker. The mob guys were there running, stolen shit out of there constantly. And me and the Arnone boys were like 12. And we want to get a booth. Well, you got to be 18 to get a booth, right? And it costs like 200 bucks or whatever. And we would just tell a guy, you know, I'd slip him like an extra hundred. Imagine this. I'm a fucking 12-year-old. I'd slip an extra hundred. And I'd be like, hey, my dad's in the car. He, he's out there looking at the horses, you know, like gambling. You know, we say the horses. He's out there looking at the horses. He doesn't want to fucking deal with this. He wants us to set up the booth. Can you hear? Can you, here's some extra cash if you look the other way. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. So us 12-year-olds are setting up a booth at the trade center, <laughs> selling all this stolen shit, selling all these sports cards, all this stuff, memorabilia. And people would come up and I could tell which guys were like kind of knew what we were doing. And those were the guys, you know, that it was just like, Hey, you know, you go to another table, you know, but then there was like, like, uh, what do we call them? Uh, marks where you just dudes walk up and you would just know like, okay, right here. We'd sell everything to those guys because they they believe our dad was in the car. They're not going to ask any questions, whatever. Occasionally, a security guard comes over asking questions. Hey, man, yo, take a pack of these. The, the new Tops baseball cards are out here, man. Have a pack. Shit like that, right? Then we got a scanner where you could actually scan the packs of cards. we pull out the good ones, reseal it. I, I, would, I even had a thing where the cards back then, the, the packs were so easy to open and repackage that I got really good at opening the shit up, pulling out the good cards, sealing them back up. I became an expert at that. And we would sell packs and cases of shit cards. And I could offer the best prices. And people would come up and they'd be like, this stupid kid is selling these packs for 50% off. This guy over here is asking five bucks a pack. This kid's asking three bucks a pack. He must just be a fucking idiot. And, and people would be like, where's your dad? Be, oh, he's in the parking lot. Shit here. And they just, you know, we made so much money. And we were like 12, 13-year-old kids running these little hustles. And it amped up from there as we got older. I can't talk about some of the stuff we did when we were older. But we were doing little scams like that way before I ever had a straight job, right? Uh, hold on. I got a super chat pledge from JM0. Uh, thank you so much, man. He says, I grew up in the Clem too, Mike. Used to go to Gibraltar Trade Center every weekend to buy basketball cards. My friends used to steal liquor from Meyer. <laughs> yes, dude. Oh, man, it was so great. Uh, memories. Yeah, up there in the supermarket, 
you could get liquor or whatever. Here in, here in Atlanta, you have to go to a special store to get liquor. It's the weirdest thing ever, man. But, yeah, dude. Uh, and then, all, of course, you, you know about this, bro. You go up to Windsor, you could drink at 19 and shit. Yeah, man. Um, so Mount Clemens, uh, kind of a blue-collar, I don't know, what would you call it, JM? Um, just a blue-collar area. Northeast Detroit, I'm just trying to think of where it would be. Northeast Detroit of the metro and that's where I grew up. Um, but yeah, dude, we were doing scams like that. Anyway, my first job, my first official job was Little Caesars inside a Kmart. There would be these Kmarts where there'd be like a Little Caesars inside the Kmart. And that's where I worked. And I ended up, uh, one of my cousins worked there with me. And we did all kinds of crazy shit. I can't even tell you, tell you uh, some, of the, just some of the nasty shit motherfuckers would do to food. That is where I learned, do not fuck with people who are serving you food, okay? Don't do that. If you're ordering food from a restaurant, I don't care if it's low-end fast food or the high-end stuff, just be nice to the people because they can really mess you up with some of the shit they do to the food, okay? I saw all kinds of shit. My next job was Pizza Hut. I got fired from Pizza Hut because here's how smart me and my friends are. My cousin who got fired from Little Caesars. So I left and he, he went to Pizza Hut. He got me in that Pizza Hut. We, the boss told us we had to throw away the tomatoes. There were these old tomatoes, boxes of them, right? They overordered. So they had boxes of these old tomatoes. So he's like, go take them out to the dumpster. Okay, cool. Well, of course, me and my cousin, we're fucking idiots. So we decided to have a tomato fight in the parking lot right next to the dumpster. So there's security cameras watching us. There's customers watching us, broad daylight, hurling tomatoes at each other, fucking fighting with tomatoes, right? It just so happens, my cousin just so happened to be standing in front of my boss's car. So every time I missed him, the tomatoes are pelting my boss's car. I'm denting the shit out of his car with these tomatoes because I'm hurling them hard as I can. We're chucking them back at each other. Uh, my, my boy, he missed me and hit a customer's car. So, yeah, long story short, that was like our third day at Pizza Hut. I lasted not even a full week at Pizza Hut. So that's another one. Oh, <laughs> I worked at Burger King. Okay, at this one Burger King I worked at, our our manager was selling drugs out of the drive through window. This shit sounds like a movie, but seriously, he was. And he wasn't just selling weed. He was selling crack. He was selling Coke, everything out of the drive through window. And he had codes worked out with the people where they'd order a special sandwich or whatever with certain condiments. Condiments, um, and, and people, like he knew, okay, that's so much of this, so much of that. So he was selling drugs out of the drive-through window. So basically, anything went in this fucking Burger King, and we just had a great time there. My brother ended up working there later, and he's got a bunch of stories about working at that Burger King. Uh, the shit that I saw there. The shit that I saw there was crazy. I saw a meth head jump over the counter and beat up a cashier once. Um, I saw people having sex in the Burger King. And we would do all kinds of shit to the burgers. Uh, one guy came in and said, you know, or one guy came through the drive-thru, I want heavy, 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 heavy mayo. I can't remember what he ordered, chicken sandwiches. Heavy, heavy. He said like heavy like four times. So I'm like, all right, motherfucker, you want heavy mayo? So I took the wrapper... And I took like this big spoon and just went, and I just threw like a pound of mayo on the wrapper. And then I put the burger in the mayo and wrapped it up. So, so there was a burger in a, stew, in a stew of fucking mayonnaise. And we gave it to the guy. And he, he came back like, like 10 minutes later. You saw his car come back up, and he, like, you know, parked all crooked in front of, right in front of the door. He, like, stormed in, and he took the burger and opened it up and slammed it on the counter. He was giving me my fucking money back. He was so pissed. And you look down, there's fucking mayo all over his fucking shirt. He was covered in fucking mayonnaise. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know why that's so funny. He was so fucking pissed. <laughs> and then uh, one of my boys that, that was working with me he goes man there's nothing wrong with this shit he picks it up and starts eating it 
right in front of the fucking guy. Oh my god. Yeah, god damn. He started eating the sandwich right in front of the motherfucker. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you guys one more because there's like 10 stories like this of different jobs. Uh, all this is before the Marine Corps, okay? So before the Marine Corps, when I was a teenager, I was running all these scams with my boys on the side. That's where I made my real money. But I was doing these little jobs to pay taxes and shit. And I was, I'd get fired from half of them because I didn't give a fuck, you know? They were fast food jobs. But I got a job at a country club. And it was way out in the suburbs, way out. Like, uh, it took almost an hour to get out there. And um, I was basically a dishwasher. And at this country club, they would do, like, parties, like like events and stuff. They had, like, a banquet hall, you know. And so, like, I would help set up the parties, set up the table, then serve the food, then take the dishes back, clean the dishes, you know, this whole thing, Right. So I got a job up there. I bring my brother up there. My brother's 14. So you have to be 16 to work there. So what do we do? So I forged documents. I forged a fake. Dude, I used to, that was one of my scams. I used to forge documents and sell them to people. I had a typewriter and I would make, um, this is back when you could just do shit like that with a typewriter. And I'm telling you, as a teenager, I was doing this shit. I was making birth certificates, all kinds of stuff like that with a typewriter. I, and I had friends friends of friends, uh, family members that worked in some of these like uh, city offices and state government offices that would give me like the blank piece of paper. And then you could notarize the stuff. You just get the stamp. Anyway, so I, I rigged my brother's paperwork to say he was 16. He was really fucking 14. So he gets an official job at this, uh, at this country club and we had to use a different social so that when he paid taxes and stuff, it wouldn't go to his record. So they were going to get him eventually anyway, but, um, we, we all got fired. I'll, I'll get to that. But so it's me there. It's my brother. It's two of my cousins and, uh, an uncle. So we're all in this country club and everyone there hated us because it was all these rich hoity toity people. And then you get these, you know, these guineas, these dagos, you know, coming in there. And, um, and we were the lowbrow you know, jerk offs. They, they just didn't like us. We didn't like them either. And we did all kinds of crazy shit there. I could tell you like so many stories during those parties where we, we'd be breaking shit down and some of the stuff we do afterwards, we had a blast, but I'll just tell you how we got fired. So we had to put back the chairs. We were breaking down a party one time and we had to put back the chairs and, uh, we, again, we got in a fight with the chairs we 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 would just we'd throw shit at each other and fight like that all the time. So we went we had to put all these chairs away in this big storage room where there was a huge storage freezer. And I I can't think of how to describe it, but the side, the wall of this freezer was like that silver freezer material. It was, you know, nice and this freezer probably cost 20, 30 grand. It was a walk-in freezer where all their meats were and all this stuff. And we had to stack the chairs on the side of that, right beside it. That's where it went. And we just decided, because we were a little drunk, to throw the chairs at each other. So we're hurling plastic fold-up chairs at each other. And, of course, not all of them would land. Or you'd block it and toss it to the side. We're grabbing each other and slamming each other into the wall. And we dented the shit out of this huge freezer. I'm, I'm probably underestimating it. I mean, I wonder if it costs 50 grand or something. We destroyed this freezer because we're throwing shit into it. And then, of course, people we were picking up glasses and hurling glasses at each other. We smashed a ton of glasses. So we did all that. You know, we were having a great fucking time. Well, the idiots we were, we didn't realize, yeah, you know, someone's going to see this and know it. we did it because we broke everything down. And, of course, my boss, the next day, we go in there and he has a meeting and he goes, guys. I have to fire you. He showed us what we did, and we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> guess we got a little, uh, guess we went a little too far. But we got the last laugh. My cousin Ricky, he had like a 78 Camaro, huge engine on it, you know what I'm saying, like souped up. I think it was rear wheel drive. And uh, we, when we were leaving, because we, we got fired, they didn't even pay us. Because they were like, do you know how much money you owe us for the fucking freezer? So they withhold our last paycheck. They didn't even give it to us. They just canned all of us on the spot. Uh, we got my my cousin's 
uh, Camaro and we drove out in the golf course and just did a bunch of donuts in the golf course and drove off. So, yeah, that's some of the old school pranks and hijinks I used to get uh, get into. And I got more stories. I, for like three months, I sold ADT security systems door to door. That, let me just tell you, sometimes people answer the door and crazy shit happens. They let you in the house and all kinds of craziness happens, okay? There were some ladies that were housewives that were bored, and I was a young, strapping male. I didn't sell them an ADT security system, but I sure had a good time. Let me just, I got all kinds of stories with that one too, but I, you know, I should quit while I'm ahead. I've already incriminated myself way too much. All right, guys. Um, so look, obviously there's not much to talk about. So I'll tell you guys a little bit about my life. I do not mind sharing this stuff. I fully admit I was an absolute fucking delinquent when I was younger, but I figured it all out. I'm doing pretty well now, right? All right, guys. Uh, let's see here. Let me get the outro music playing. There we go. Outro music. Oh, Super Chat Pledge from John Uden. Thank you so much. He says, money will be tight for many fans after Corona. Do you think or have you asked Jim Boone if promoters reel back ticket pricing to reflect that? Great question, John. And I talked to several promoters this weekend. And yes, they're discussing that already. It will be done. Um, I don't know how it's going to affect streaming services, though like uh, DAZN and stuff, they're going to have to get creative and think of something. But yes, with ticket prices and stuff, that's absolutely being taken into consideration. All right, guys, remember, share this video, uh, share the podcast, get the word out, and uh, we'll do it again next Monday. I'll see you at the fights.